Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Viewing Heaven's Gate Mountains by Lee Bai. The Chu River splits open Heaven's Gate. Its green water flows eastwards and turns. On either bank, blue mountains face inwards beside the full red sun. A lonely sail edges closer. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you plump and fleshy passion fruit. My name's Owen, and as the great date approaches where Liverpool face Everton after over a hundred days of madness and inaction and action, let me just thank you from the deepest cockles of my heartstrings for listening. You are cherished, dear listener, and you are adored. Here's the episode. Enjoy. So I'm, what's the word? I'm exuberant to be joined by Douglas Horn and by Robin Hassan. We're here to talk about the Premier League, the mother of all comebacks. This is better than Elvis the 68 comeback special. This is the Premier League post-COVID, beautiful stuff. Doug, welcome to Cop On Podcast. It's really nice to speak to you. Can you tell, uh, tell everybody, tell the listeners about you and uh, about the dugout? Yes. Hello. Hello. My name is, my name is Douglas. Lovely to, lovely to ha- be on the Cop On Podcast. Thank you very much for having me on and uh, pleasure to meet you as well, Robin. Um, yeah, the dugout um, football channel, I've, I've had this for almost a year. Um, and I do Premier League predictions, I do Liverpool match previews, um, and then obviously match reviews, um, and I do a lot of do a lot of predicting. I've done a lot of Bundesliga, and I do a lot of um, Scottish football as well. So come and check me out. Fantastic! Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely great stuff, listeners. Do check it out, indeed. Robin, welcome back to Cop On. How are you doing, sir? Um, thanks, Owen. Uh, good to meet you, Doug. Um, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, life has been very different since last time we spoke, um, but generally very well um, and just uh, surviving and doing as much well as I can. I'm really excited to get football back on again, um, as strange as it was yesterday, but um, I think it's it's been a good long wait and I'm just itching to get forward with the, the next stages. But otherwise, well, how about you, Owen? Very well, thank you for asking. Very well, yes. All chipper, all bumps a daisy, because it's all coming back, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, listeners won't know that. Uh, hopefully my guests will. Um, and uh, it's the day after, you know, Manchester City thumped Arsenal. Um, uh, did you see it, Doug? Tell, give me your thoughts on that one. Manchester City, they're back and looking strong already, aren't they? Yeah, it was basically the game that David Louise turned up in, wasn't it? It was just awful, awful, awful. I mean, one thing I can say is that that everything you get with David Louise is he's a, he's a disaster waiting to happen. He's got a mistake in him. Um, as soon as he entered the pitch yesterday, I just had a feeling that he was going to be either sent off or obviously you know give away a uh, give away a goal. That he did, but he's just. He's just an absolute nightmare of a defender. And I've never, ever, ever rated him. And um, I actually agree with what Jamie Carragher said. I don't think we'll see him in English football ever again. 
Well, that, uh, that, I mean, that would be a shame. I mean, you know, let's think about the, um, you know, on a personal level for David Luiz. I mean, God bless him, he tried his best. But uh, I think Rafa sussed him out years ago when he put him in, in midfield. I've, I feel the same as you, Doug. I've never really trusted him as a player. Um, Robin, uh, give us your thoughts on that match yesterday. City, Arsenal and also Sheffield United, Villa, if you, if you uh, watched it, if you give two hoots about that? Um, yeah, I, I watched bits of both games. Um, I saw uh, some of the things that David Lewis did or didn't do. Um, I like him. I like him. I think it's good value for money. It gives you a good laugh. I wouldn't want him near Liverpool, uh, but watching him for another club is quite enjoyable. Uh, I've got good Arsenal fans, and um, I remember them singing his praises uh, not so long ago, this season as well, when, when Mikhail Arteta steadied the ship a little bit uh, and, and they were talking about how he set up a good partnership in the back with Mustafi and Mustafi started to prove himself. But um, as I was telling you earlier, Owen, he's got so many mistakes in him that it's such a liability that I don't understand how you can keep him in the last line of defence because when he makes a mistake, um, you're, he leaves you exposed. Even against Liverpool earlier in the season, he gave away a penalty, a silly penalty when um, when uh, Salah was almost clean through. So he's, he does that regularly. Every now and then he may produce a wonder pass or he score a good free kick, which I don't think he does that often now uh, compared to his Chelsea days. Um, and I don't understand how he was sold for that much amount of money to PSG. Uh, and I agree with you. I think midfield would be a better place for him. He's got a little bit of creative creativity in him. But as a defender, he just he makes so many mistakes. It would make me nervous as a as a fan. We've had our fair share of defenders that have had mistakes in them and it's led to goals, individual errors and players that we like as well, even like players like Agar and Skirtle, every now and then would make mistakes. But this this guy's on another level. So I, I enjoy watching him. I think he's a fun guy to watch. And I think you also mentioned um, that off the pitch, he comes across, even on interviews, as a nice, likeable guy and is well-adored by uh, fans in Brazil. But <laughs> he just let Arsenal down so badly yesterday, especially when the team were quietly, not confident, but I would say they were hopeful to get at least a result, maybe a draw from the game yesterday, and he completely ruined that for them. Um, hopefully he's going to stay a bit longer in English football. I'd like to see him a few more times for Arsenal and then maybe to Man United and then back to Chelsea again and then to Man City <laughs> and go around. But <laughs> it's it's comical. It's really comical. He can be the new Stanley Matthews. He can play till he's 50. Uh, somebody on Twitter, some uh, wit on Twitter uh, said, I, you know, it's the first time I've ever seen a team go up to 10 men. Um, it was that bad. Uh, poor old David Luis. But I don't think it was just his fault. I mean, we are going to move on from, from yesterday. I just want to say I, the whole Arsenal team were a team full of Willocks yesterday. Um, <laughs> you've got to feel a little bit sorry for them, don't you? I mean, their fans especially. Um, they were all over the place. And, you know, for example, Aubameyang was, you know, largely anonymous. Uh, for the game, but you could kind of understand that the fact that he's an attacker. What was more worrying for me from an Arsenal perspective yesterday was the fact that their other centre-back, Mustafi, was also anonymous, which uh, when your team concedes as many shots as Arsenal did yesterday would worry the heck out of me. Is there any way out 
for, for Arsenal of of is there any way out of this this mess, this mire, this mucky, muddy pit that they're in? In all honesty, I don't see it. Um, I think I actually think that they've got a really hard game in the weekend against Brighton, um, and. Yes, you know, I, I suppose not having Louise uh, will be a blessing in disguise with them. Um, but obviously, like, they go through so many centre-backs. Obviously, like, we've got Socrates, we've got Mustafi, you obviously you've got Mari as well. Um, obviously, he, he lasted only 15 minutes and he had to go off injured. Um, but to answer your question, I think Arsenal will miss out on the top four. I actually think they would probably miss out on the Europa League and actually maybe a season out of Europe might be beneficial to Arsenal, but I do think they're in for a long, hard summer because I think they'll probably lose players like Aubameyang, Lacazette, potentially Ozil as well, um, because obviously he, he didn't make the bench last night either. So I think Arsenal are in a lot of problems and they're a million miles off, like our like likes of Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United, Arsenal, even Spurs to that, that extent as well. I think I think we're not going to see Arsenal in the top four for I would say probably about five to about ten years because I think they're all a million miles away. I mean, I hope for my Arsenal supporting friends that that's not the case, but you could well be right, Doug. Uh, they, I mean, they got a couple of positives maybe with the, a couple of their young players coming through. Um, Saka looks good, for example. But enough of enough of the Arsenal, enough of the Gunners. I'm getting all jiggly, nervous and excited and happy because this Sunday is Everton against Liverpool. Now, Everton, Everton, Everton. Their very name, it brings me such joy. I don't think we could ask for a nicer, more more generous rival uh, than the Ev. This season, I had to. I had a little look at them. They are twelfth in the league. They have thirty-seven points from twenty-nine matches, and it's mid-table obscurity. They're not going down. They're not getting into Europe. They're shite, and they're out of the cup. No wonder. No wonder they wanted this season both nulled and voided. They've only scored 37 goals in 29 matches and they've conceded 46, making for a negative goal difference of minus nine. Whereas Liverpool, the mighty, joyous powerhouse of Liverpool, the glorious Liverpool Football Club have scored 66 goals and conceded only 21, making for a positive goal difference of 45. And also that number 45 is curious because we are 45 points ahead of the blue shite. Robin, is there anything whatsoever to fear from these absolute losers? No, I don't think so. I think you summed it up pretty well. I don't think there's anything special in that team. There's one or two players that might be worth of note, but as a team, as a squad, I don't think they've improved significantly under Ancelotti. Um, I think we've got far too much firepower to overcome them. Um, if you were to ask me what are Everton good at, I don't, I can't really tell you. I don't know what their strengths are. Um, and I think we've got enough now tactics, skill in our team 
to be able to unpick and break whatever kind of defence and team they put out. They have to catch us on a really off day like Watford did to be to be able to get a result against us. And I don't think with all this anticipation and with the title so close that uh, we would let our guard down. I think everybody at Liverpool is quite hungry. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what to say about them. I think it's a good fixture to go into. Uh, one of the strongest assets they would have had is the home advantage crowd. Um, that no longer is the case anymore. So I think it'd be just down man against man and the best the best team would win. And I think man for man, each of our players is better than each of their players. So um, it's a good game to go into. Uh, it's a shame that we couldn't win the league title there at Goodison, but um, I'm sure that's not far away. Uh, are, you, are you worried about them, Owen? Um, I, the only thing that gives me... I, it's not even a cause for concern. I mean... Oh, I don't know. I'll get on to some more facts and figures in 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 a bit. Um, but generally speaking, um, there's no reason whatsoever that they should beat us. I mean, as you said, it's a very good point about the crowd. The crowd will not be there, you know, egging Everton on for the first, you know, four minutes until Sadio Mane scores, you know. But they won't be there to at least try to, to, to uh, you know, to get under Liverpool's skin and intimidate our players. They won't be there. So, yes, the best team should win. So, yes, we should win. The only tiny, tiny thing about that is um, Ancelotti, Carlo Ancelotti, because I had a look at his record, and I don't know how you feel about this, Doug. I'm going to tell you some things about Carlo Magnifico, as they call him. He's got a great record against Liverpool in that he's played 13 matches. He's won seven, drawn one and lost only five. And if you put that into league points per match, if every match was a league match with three points for a win, then his average is 1.69 points per match against Liverpool with all of his previous teams. And you compare that with Alex Ferguson, who was 1.58 points per match. Jose Mourinho, 1.55 points per match. Wenger on 1.4 points per match. So Angelotti's the best of the lot of them on 1.69. Doug, are you at all worried about the Ev? Um, to be honest with you, I'm absolutely confident going into this game because um, of because of our recent good record against Everton. They haven't beaten us since 2010 in a 2-0 victory for them uh, since Mikel Arteta and um, I think it was Tim Cahill that scored the two goals. Well, obviously this was in the Roy Hodgson days. Um, honestly, they're they have been so poor this season. Um, I obviously. Under Marco Silva, they were very, very poor. Um, do they do they really scare me? I mean, our record, our recent record at Goodison, we've had a couple of draws recently, um, a couple of couple of obviously nil nils in there as well. Um, but it's just, I think Everton will be definitely wanting to finish top ten. They're definitely not going down, and as you say, they they are a, they're a team of you know, mid-table mediocrity. Um, but it's just, it's just they've been so inconsistent and you just don't know what Everton is going to turn up. I think they've got the right manager in Carlo Ancelotti because um, I think Marco Silva was never right for, um, for Everton in the first place. 
So I think Everton have got the right manager, but Liverpool will be buzzing to basically get back out there. And I'm feeling very, very confident that we can go to Everton, win the game, um, and then obviously go into you know the Palace game and then be, that game we could potentially win the title. I would actually rather prefer it that we would win it at Anfield than Goodison, because then, because then, then you can say that we won it at we won it uh, at the home uh, of of us. So I think I think it's better to win at Anfield than Goodison. Yeah, it's a very it's a very a very good answer. And uh, yeah, the, I mean the only way to the only reason it would be good to win it at Goodison is just for a laugh. But of course, you know, Dan, <laughs> he he loves a laugh anyway. Um, on last night's evidence, but um, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, Carlo Ancelotti took over on December the 22nd last year, and his record's pretty good in those in those three months. Apart from when, of course, uh, it was he was the manager. In case you had forgotten, like I had, he was actually the manager when Everton lost to our you know our average age 18 uh, team uh, back in that was January the 5th. Um, so their recent results, um, recent. You know what I mean? Uh, they they uh, they beat Crystal Palace uh, at Goodison on the eighth of February three one. Then they lost away to Arsenal three two. Then they drew at home to Manchester United uh, before losing away to Chelsea four nil. Um, uh, yeah. No, it's just um, you, you, I watched the Chelsea game. Uh, I watched I watched the Chelsea Everton game. And they were never in the game. Like defensively, I th- the one one thing that really really excites me about about this ever about this Everton team that can be got at is their defence and their goalkeeper, who I do not rate to begin with, because um, he's only got he's only got little arms, Jordan Pickford. Um, Yeri Mina's out for the rest of the season. I, I read as well as is Steel Walcott. So they've got some big, big key players that are out at the moment. Uh, I think Andre Gomez and um, Sigurdsson as well. I think they've missed training today as well. So I think it's looking like that Everton will go into the game thinking damage limitation here because I, I actually think Liverpool could get a couple of goals against them. It's uh, yeah. I mean, do you know anything about Luca Dean? Have you heard about his fit? Because I think he's he's one good player that they've got. Uh, as far as I'm aware, he is available. Um, but they do have they do have a few injury problems. Um, right. I believe, actually, that to be honest with you, I don't know if you I don't know if you watch obviously Sky Sports News or anything, but. There's been a bit of tension in the Everton camp. There's been tensions between sort of Richarlison and Yeri Mina. So, you know, all's all's not well in the in the Everton camp, I don't think. So um it's gonna be a very, very interesting game. And obviously we'll see how sort of both mindsets both the you know, both the teams are. Yeah, totally. I mean I was looking at the team uh, the last time Everton played because we um, you know, at Goodison, excuse me. Uh, was against Manchester United, um, and I was looking at their squad uh, for that match. Uh, yeah, they they had at the back they had Leighton Baines, so presumably Luca Dean will come in for him. Uh, they had uh, Keane and Holgate and Seamus Coleman, and if you put that defence against our front three, Robin, um, we're probably going to score 
at least three, wouldn't you say? It looks like a very average defence there. Um, if those players are still playing, um, our front three will give the best defence in the world a run for the money. Um, they're so smart and quick and intelligent that I don't fear any defence. Um, I, I do like um, Fabian Delft, though. I think he adds a little bit of um, steel to that midfield. Um, he makes a quite, uh, he's a tenacious midfielder that can get around everywhere, but then we've got two, three of them of ourselves. So in, in terms of likeliness, um, if we match them up, I think our players can handle that. And one or two of their players, like uh, whether it's um, Fabian Delph or I also quite like Bernard, but I don't think he always gets a game, comes off the bench. Um, I think our team can overrun them quite easily. It's, I think the squad that they have and the front, uh, the first eleven they will put out is reflected on the position they are on the table. I don't think they're anything better than a mid-table side. And we've played, we've played all of these teams and, and we've done well against them. So, and there's an extra edge, there's an extra uh, motivation for tomorrow's, uh, for Sunday's match. And I think that will help us more than it helped them. And as, as Doug's saying, if there's disharmony in the Everton camp, it's completely mirror polar opposite in the Liverpool camp. Anything, everything can't get any better. Uh, everybody's all really happy. It's a well-settled team. Uh, doesn't look like we've got any uh, injury problems. There have been a couple of players that have not trained as much, but not nothing that we know of any major injuries, apart from obviously uh, Nathaniel Klein. But we've got a full team to come uh, back into, and it's been quite fortunate this break of ours to get Alisson back in as well. He's, he's a massive presence for us. So in all departments, we look very strong. That defence that they have, I don't think is anything special at all. And then, you know, moving into midfield, uh, we mentioned Andre Gomez before Tom Davis, uh, um, Sigurdsson, you know, but two of those three might, might not, uh, not play because they haven't been uh, training, uh, as Doug said. And the other one, Tom Davis, is just shite. So, you know, there's not much to fear from their midfield, is there, Doug, or their, their attack? Richarlison's got 10 goals and three assists from 27 matches. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, in midfield, who would you pick, Doug? Because that's the main, that's the main uh, cause for, for, for Liverpool fans, uh, you know, to, for us to debate. I mean, back four, I mean, three of the four pick themselves. And I don't know, forgive me, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, um, correct me if 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 I'm wrong, but uh, surely Joe Gomez is the best person to play at centre back, Doug. And then apart from your centre back choice, who would you pick in midfield? Uh, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's because um, obviously like Nabi Keita and Takumi Minamino had a really good game against Blackburn, so you know if they can they can take that form into you know Everton. Um, I do think it'll be the, the trusted three of uh, Fabinho, Genie, and um, Henderson. I don't see I don't see there being many changes. And then obviously you've got the you know you've got the front three uh, speaks for itself. So I think it'll be the same back five. I think it'll be the trusted of Fabinho, Genie, and Hendo, and then and then the front three. And then potentially you know you've you've obviously got nine substitutes. So. Imagine if Divock Origi scored the winner at, at Goodison. <laughs> that 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 would just that would just make my weekend if he scored the winner at Goodison. 
absolutely, absolutely. Um, Robin, would you be, would you, uh, you know, if it was up to you, I think Doug might be right. I can imagine that uh, Klopp will go for the tried and trusted uh, uh, Genie, Hendo and Fabinho in, in midfield. Would you, would you do the same, Robin? Yeah, 100% agree with uh, Doug's team. Um, it's the most relied upon team. It's, it's Klopp's go-to team when he needs something. Um, there isn't another competition that we need to be worried about. Everybody's well-rested. There's only a handful of games left now. So I think it's all full, full throttle. It's, um, it's good to give um, players like Ox, uh, Minamino and Keita an opportunity. And I think they will feature in the games sometime uh, in the second half. But um, let's go all guns blazing and make sure we secure the win. It's the kind of... People talk about that midfield being a very industrious hard-working midfield that lacks a little bit of creativity. But it's the same kind of midfield that we've had for the majority of this and last season where we've been awesome and scoring goals for fun. And I think what that allows, um, that solidity of that midfield allows the front three to run havoc and also get our fullbacks up. Uh, it gives that steel and uh, security to our, our back line. So when the fullbacks, Robertson and Trent, on forward with the front three, that five-man attack is quite dangerous. And we've got players like Henderson and Fabinho and Van Dijk can pick out passes from long range. So if they um, if they do try and press us and push forward, we can, we can go over the top and we've got speed to attack them. Uh, I think it's a very safe team to go for. And um, I think all the players are hungry. I think um, players like Ox and Minamino and Keita will understand if they don't start on the first game but they'll probably be a little bit upset if they don't feature somewhat. Um, and Hariga scoring the winner, that would be icing on the cake. Um, but hopefully, I don't want it to get to a point where we're scoring a, just a winner. I'd rather us get a hatful of goals and um, make it comfortable and a, a bit of an exhibition to say that we're back and we're back with a vengeance. Yeah, a five, six, seven, would uh, that would do quite nicely for me, I'd have to say. Uh, but uh, any kind of winner, you know... A, uh, and a Rigi last minute winner, winner again would um, would yeah just be hilarious. Um, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting sort of goosebumps, you know, like get, getting chills that it's just a couple of days away now. Absolutely fantastic. Um, just uh, one last uh, uh, thing about Everton. I mean, do you have a prediction for a score, like an honest prediction? Because I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go five nil. Uh, honestly, oh. I'm going to go 4-0. Um, wow. I think okay. I'm being conservative. Uh, Doug, <laughs> what about you? Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, I'll be a little bit kinder and I'll say, let's let's go for a 2-0. Let's go for a 2-0. I, I, I think... I think that uh, we'll we'll be absolutely fine. Um, with obviously Van Dyke and Gomez will be absolutely pivotal to you know stop their uh, attacks. And you know if uh, you know Trent Alexander Arnold if he's on his game, he'll deliver one of those brilliant free kicks into the box, and obviously you know one of our centre backs will probably score. So yeah, I think I think it'll be a very very close game. I think it'll be a very nervy game. Um, might depend on sort of who you know who who wants who wants it more I say and obviously who takes their chances more but I'll go for a 2-0 and I will go for a Van Dyke header and I will go for Origi to come off the bench and get get the get the second and uh, get 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 all three points 
Well, that's a much more sensible uh, answer than, than I offered. Um, but uh, no, that's a very, very good answer. Thank you very much. Um, Robin, you know, our record, by the way, at Goodison, the last um, six matches at Goodison is draw, 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 win, draw, draw. So, I mean, are you going 5-0, 2-0 or something else, Robin? I think I'm going to go somewhere in between. I don't think it's going to be a draw. Uh, I think the difference in class between the two teams is as big as it has been in any of those fixtures. So I think we're far superior than them. Um, I reckon about 3-0. And I think 3-0 is my conservative score. I want us to put on a better show than what Man City did yesterday. Okay, for Man City, we're a little bit fortunate that they had David Lewis playing for them on their side. But I think with uh, us tomorrow, I want I want to make a an, a, a a show of why we're champions-elect and um, a 3-0. I'd like us, maybe I'm being greedy now, I'd like us to keep a clean sheet. I want Alisson to get the golden gloves this season. I'm greedy because I want uh, Salah or Mane to get a golden boot this year. They've got a few goals to catch up to Vardy. Um, when before COVID, I thought with Vardy being out for most of the season, I don't know if he's back uh, now, if he's fit enough to play, but I thought uh, they'd have a good chance to catch him up. But I want goals for our front three. Um, I don't really care who comes on and scores, even if it's um, Curtis Jones comes on and curls in another beauty, whatever it may be, it just results more important. But if we can get the icing to get um, a few of our stats up as well uh, for individual uh, accolades, and that, that, that'd be nice. But I don't, I feel quietly confident that we're going to win. I don't want to uh, shout too much. I don't want to be sound cocky, but there's nothing there that worries me. Three nil score. I'm gonna go for. If you go for five nil, um, Owen, you should put a fiver on that and get good money on that. <laughs> no, I'm. I don't bet as a rule, and I definitely don't bet on Liverpool because it's purely. I mean, it's purely based on emotion. All of my predictions, and I'm often wildly wrong. But this time, I don't know. I looked into Sadio Mane. I looked deep into his eyes, not personally, but on video, and he looks absolutely hungry uh, and absolutely ready, uh, you know, to bring that strength and speed and energy and, and, and class and style and guile. And that's just one of our great players, and they're all absolutely great. And so 5-0, I'm just being conservative, but that's just me getting a bit carried away. Zooming out a little bit. Let's zoom out a little bit because, uh, you know, all these, all this talk of null and void. Thank God that's over. And then, uh, but then, you know, a, a lingering thing in the minds of, um, you know, opposition fans is, you know, whether or not this season has some kind of asterisk against it, you know, or, or they claim that somehow this title is not as valuable as previous titles or other titles that are more normal. Uh, Doug, do you give a monkeys about these kind of, you know, wild, um, wild theories? No, definitely not. No, I'm just, I'm just, do you know what? The null and voiders can basically just buzz off as far as I'm concerned, because <laughs> these are the same people who are like literally begging for the football to return. So I've no sympathy with the null and voiders. And um, yeah, like 
if, if, if you want to put a big asterisk above our, our title, which uh, is absolutely ludicrous and stupid, um, then yeah, you can do that. But obviously, like we, we all know that Liverpool uh, have been the best team this season. Yes, obviously, it is going to be very, very strange, obviously, you know, winning the title without our, our fans uh, watching us get it. But I have to say, from watching us from last season and to this season, there's just been a, a sort of Jurgen Klopp going away, thinking, right, we lost it by a point. Let's go out. Let's go and win it this, this season. And to be fair, we've absolutely dominated everybody. Um, obviously, barring Watford and Manchester United, obviously, away aside. But um, it has been a near perfect season in the Premier League and I am I am honestly just buzzing for uh, for our game on uh, on Sunday because I, I can't remember the last time I actually got do, do you know do you know what this reminds me it reminds me when you wake up on Christmas day and you just can't wait to like open your presents you just cannot wait to open your presents so the 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 uh, buzzing about the Everton game uh, just reminds me of being a wee, a wee kid on Christmas day it does feel like that. Absolutely, Doug. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. I love to share in the excitement. Um, Robin, what about you? I mean, about this asterisk thing and, you know, is is this title somehow, you know, not as good as any other? I mean, in some ways, I think it's even better, no? So the asterisk stands for record-breaking and winning in the quickest uh, amount of time. Um, most stats broken is, is that what the asterisk stands for because that's the way I understand it to be um, if it was null and void and we won it on a 29 game season with, uh, with current positions or points per match or whatever stats they use uh, to decide that then, then you can understand it's not quite complete and there's a part of you that might feel as though um, it's such a shame that it's happened but the facts are we're continuing this season full 38 games are, be, are planned to be played we're winning it on merit on the points that we've achieved we've we would have won it because no other team can catch us up so technically it's the same as any other season it just lasted a bit longer with a break in between um, I don't see anything wrong with that the the people that are jealous and naysayers if they want to put an asterisk to tarnish our achievement then it's more shame on them it shows more upon how bitter other rivals are because we've not broken any rules we've not um, cheated the financial fair plays or done anything silly like that we've played an honest brand of football with players that are uh, genuine a mixture of through the youth or good investment or development of players We've done it the right way. So what is there to be ashamed about? Let, let other people feel uh, jealous. I know there's a um, there's a uh, tendency for uh, rival fans to mock Liverpool fans for whatever reason. That's fine. I, I know that happens everywhere. But the truth is that they've got nothing else to complain about. It's an almost perfect team uh, from top to bottom, whether it's the manager, the the chairman, the stadium, the fans, the brand of football, how humble the players are. We don't have this brash, arrogant players. There's nothing really there to pick on. Um, I wouldn't say any of our players are prima donnas or hog the limelight or uh, in a social media that create a problem. Everything's perfect. So if Asterix is the best that everybody else has to throw at us, then fine, I'll take that and, and championship number 19. <laughs> 
Yeah, very good. Very good answer. And you're right to bring up the FFP thing. I mean, if there's a, an asterisk against anyone's titles, it's got to be, you know, Chelsea's being run by an oligarch. They were, they were nothing before they were taken over by Roman Abramovich. And then Man City, they were nothing before an entire country, an oil state, took them over and started ploughing money into them. So if there's any asterisks going anywhere, it should be over to them. But um, to be honest, I wouldn't actually give them an asterisk. I mean, that just reflects the way of the world with money and, you know, these kind of things that go, you know, way too complicated for me, but good on them. They won the title, fair enough. And uh, now we're going to win it also, fair enough. Um, I just got one more question for, for both of you guys. Um, uh, it's a little sort of thought experiment that I came up with the other day. Um, it's a very happy one. Basically, all you have to do, you're not allowed to think of it you're not allowed to think, um, you know, you just have to just have to rattle off the first three things that come to mind that you absolutely love about this Liverpool team. So if I do this thought experiment today, I would say Jurgen Klopp, Virgil van Dijk winning the ball and Trent Alexander doing a crossfield pass. Trent Alexander-Arnold doing a crossfield pass. How about you, Doug? Don't think too much about it. The first three things... Bobby Firmino, Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Oh, that's lovely. And any particular thing with Bobby Firmino? He was the first one to jump out of your instincts there. Just, just his overall play. Like I, I hate people who say he's a defensive forward. Mm-hmm. He is what makes our front three click. Without him, our front three do not click. He's the glue to our front three. So the, Bobby Firmino is becoming one of my favourite players ever in a Liverpool shirt. And yes, I know he's not scored many goals this season at Anfield, but away from home, he's been absolutely fantastic. So no, Bobby Firmino for me is what makes our front three click. So that's why I said him. Andy Robertson, obviously me being Scottish as well, Scottish Braveheart, he's he's absolutely fantastic. And Trent Alexander, I mean, our, we've probably got the best fullbacks in the world and probably Europe right now as well. And it's good. They are going to be our left back and right back partnership for many, many years to come. And may there be so many more years of, of, of those two, because both of them, both of them have a real, real, you know, competitiveness when it comes to assists, etc. Because I think, I think Trent got more assists last season than Robbo. So obviously Robbo wants to try and get, um, more assists and uh, they've, they've put, got a few goals as well between them as well so um, but yeah th- th- those those are the three I, I, I mentioned Bobby for his his, his, uh, his all round play as a striker and just Andy Robertson and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold are full backs to admire Love it. Love love the answer. Robin, you've had a little bit of time to think about it, but, you know, disengage with those thoughts, if you will, or don't, you know, give us your top three first things that come into your mind. Um, those are good answers. Those are equally as good as answers what I can come up with. Um, my favourite is Trent. I think he's developed a lot this season. He's better player than this season than he was last season. And it's exciting to see where he can go. I draw comparisons to... Uh, seeing early footage of Gerard when he first broke in and that player Gerard first broke in, who would have known that that little kid would turn out to be such an awesome legend as he was? 
And I can see Trent doing something similar like that, whether it's at right back or if he moves position where everybody keeps talking about. But whatever it is, is he just oozes so much quality and is doing it at such a young age that he's got so much development under person, someone like Klopp that, and Pep Linders that is undoubtedly going to get better and better. Um, Van Dijk, I think the, the guy is just pure class. There's, there's nothing bad you can say about a defender like that. It's so clear in everybody's mind that he's the best defender in the planet. Um, and we're lucky that he's one of us and he's, the improvements he's made on the team has been tremendous and all the qualities he brings to the team adds to the way that we play. And I don't think we'd be anywhere near where we are if Van Dijk wasn't there. Alison Becker's a good shout, but my third one would have to be Jordan Henderson. Um, whenever I think of Henderson, he fills me with so much pride um, of his journey of where he started off and how he had to prove so many people wrong and how he nearly got sold and uh, living under the life of, under the shadows of Gerard and having to pick up that mantle to where he is now. He's almost undroppable. And all the players, when they talk about the captain and they talk about Gerard, they speak, sorry, not Gerard, about the Henderson, they speak um, about how much of a leader is off the pitch. Um, and whether it's uh, raising money for the NHS or uh, donating money for uh, charities or the work that he does off the pitch uh, when he also uh, takes players underneath the wings and develops and coaches and mentors them and to what he's doing now being talked about as the best player of the season and PFA writers uh, player of the year you can see the journey has come through and it's mirrored and mimicked the journey Liverpool have come through so I'm really proud of him and um, he holds good respect amongst everybody and he's had doubters even with Alex Ferguson talking about how his gait and running style wasn't good enough he's proved all of that wrong and he's lifted a good few important trophies for us and there's one that's missing that I can't wait for him to get hold of so those are my front uh, my three that make me happy I love it I could talk about this all night I mean we haven't even mentioned Mohamed Salah you sort of very briefly said Alison Becker's a good shout it's a really good shout we haven't mentioned Sadio Mane oh my word this team is absolutely glorious um, Owen did you want to talk about Coutinho what are your thoughts of um, these latest rumours about Coutinho coming back possibly on a loan deal he's reportedly asked Yoga Klopp to take him back I think Coutinho I've mentioned this in recent episodes I think but I think it's a very very smart move if our chance if our chances of summer signings are Coutinho on a loan where we have no obligation to buy it after a year I think we've got to get him we've got to bring him back I know what people say about him paying to leave the club and feigning a back injury and being a a shit house, I believe the technical term is before he left but for me uh, watching him link up with our with our uh, front three you know in he played 19 games and he got 12 goals and eight assists with our front three that's 12 goals and eight assists from midfield or an attacking midfield player and uh, you know I think it makes absolute sense and a team with Hendo and Fabinho for example doing a lot of the hard work to give Phil that platform to roam around in that attacking midfield playmaker position next to Bobby his mate Bobby Firmino it's just it, for me it's a really exciting prospect and all can be forgiven what do you think Doug? 
I think it's, I think it'd be a very, very good move. I think it'd be a very, very good move to get Coutinho uh, back. However, he will have a lot of apologising to do for how he instigated his move. But, you know, it's more strength and depth at the end of the day. Um, might have to bide his time to get back in the team. Because uh, I think at this moment in time, uh, I think we're a better team without him. But if we can add, if we can add him into what is... Uh, team of mentality monsters um, you know just, just adding him would, would, uh, would be absolutely absolutely fantastic so for me it's a, it's a no brainer bring, bring, bring Coutinho home and what about you Robin? Um, I agree he's got a lot of apologising to do but nothing that a good PR team or manager can't help to uh, fix that for him he does need to apologise and I think when he first um, uh, made noises about wanting to leave in that summer and when he came back into the team I think local fans were quick to accept him back again so I think that would happen he just might take a little bit longer uh, but you can you can judge that on his effort that he puts on the pitch and if you see that he's grafting and he's trying his best to pull Liverpool even further forward he's quick to forget that um, but you're right, it's a low move, it's very low risk in today's COVID market that we're not shelling out lots of money. He's even offered to um, take a pay cut, which I think is fair and is right. It wouldn't be right for him to get more money than uh, Mane or Salah or Van Dijk or a few of our, our players. And also the bedding in period will be quick as well. We don't have to wait too long to see what it's like because we know what it's like. The atmosphere, the people around him will be... Um, what he's used to and he's got familiar uh, faces around him that do like him and I think the players have also mentioned that they, they're still quite fond of him, they were close with Philip Coutinho um, so I think the morale for the squad won't be uh, damaged too much I do worry about um, the development opportunities of players like Curtis Jones or uh, Oxlade or Naby that might be playing in that position, how many chances would they get? But it's a short-term deal, maybe one-year loan. I don't think that would affect them too much. They might even learn more stuff from Philip Coutinho. So it's, it, he's a very good player, and I'd rather be him on our side than having to play against him in the Premier League for uh, another team. An interesting thing in this, I mean, those are two great answers. Thanks, guys. But uh, an interesting thing in this that people haven't really, it's only just come out today, I think, uh, that there were, you know, very, there's a very strong possibility that FFP rules will change. And what could happen, we have to see this from Barcelona's point of view as well, where we talk about Coutinho. So Barcelona, they've got this player, I mean, it didn't work out, he doesn't fit their system. Um, they probably realised they were stupid to sign him because, you know, he doesn't, doesn't work in their team. Um, but also they're skint, so they want to make some money. Um, and how are they going to make some money? They, they sell their, their assets. And if FFP is relaxed and let's say, you know, Chelsea with their billions or City with their billions can actually go to Barcelona and say, look, you know, we'll give you 90 million or 100 million for Coutinho, they could end up uh, getting him. And then it's down to the player if he wants to join another club in the Premier League. I don't know. I don't know. It's something to think about. There's a lot to think about. Um, but, you know, whatever happens, um, we are, what was it, 45 points ahead of Everton. And we're going to play against them on Sunday. And uh, so let's stick to the here and now 
um, and all get, you know, googly-woogly about that one. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Um, have a great evening. And, uh, yeah, I hope to speak to you soon. And thus, as we finger the final crumbs of this episode's Bakewell Tart up towards our mouths, may I simply remind you that you may block us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast. You can send us your death threats to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com or you can support us via patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast for as little as one US dollar per month. This is CopOn, a podcast for the LFC worldwide family. So whoever you are, wherever you are, we send you love. And now let's get stuck in to those Toffees.